1: Today, we're going to talk about at the beginning, what it meant for Richard to feel like a piece of wood in church for years and years and years, that he went to church but it was nothing but a piece of wood. Explain that, Richard.
2: Hello, Father Tom. I I can understand where you talk about sometimes about new, a new creation in Jesus. Back in 1985. And before, I was a piece of wood that was part of the church. I went to mass on a Sunday. Even when I I go back into my childhood, I think of it, that when it came to catechism, I would hide behind a tree and skip catechism. I didn't know what it was to really know Jesus to any extent. And it went through life that way. And years later, I had been part of a divorce after in 1984. And then in 1985, I went to visit somebody one night, and they mentioned something about getting together with me. And I said, when you want to get together with me, you need to do your rosary. And I went home that night, and I got to thinking, am I doing my rosary? And I, So I started doing the rosary, and it's like a little snowball that seems to grow. From that, a month or so later, I took part in a 40-hour devotion at our church, staying, I was going to a dance with women, and I told them if they want to go with me, they have to, I want to be home for 12 o'clock to go to an all-night adoration. A month later from that, the Miriam Fathers and Schnappers had to novena every night. I got, so I went to that every night. And then in April of 1986, I went to their, Divine Mercy Sunday, I gave up a wedding to a girl that had grown up in our neighborhood in Boston to be at the Divine Mercy Sunday in Stopbridge.
1: Tell us what the Divine Mercy is about.
2: Up there, the shrine is devoted to the visions of Faustina, Sister Faustina, and they, It's we have to show mercy to others. That's what the mercy is to, at the shrine. It's not just about being there, walking, and talking. You need to be part of a live action. And when I went up to there at the Shrine, I learned a lot about Mercy, to, to what to do and to share it to my fellow people. Uh, and from that, Mercy Sunday, I went, that was a, in fact, that was a, my first time ever going to the Marians for Mercy Sunday. Now today, if you go to the Marian Fathers, you go there. You have a church outside with fifteen to twenty thousand people. When I went that day in 1986, there wasn't even two hundred. A Father Richard Raybeck said the mass, and I, said, I remember turning to him in the aisle and saying, "Father, I already received communion. Is it all I receive today?" He said, "Blood of Father, body of Christ." He said to me, and. That meant so much for me that day, and I stayed up there all day for the three o'clock novenas and the talks. About a month later from that, there was a all-night adoration in St. Peter's in Great Barrington, in which I, I live in Housatonic, not part of Great Barrington. We, we were part of Barrington, but not part of that church. And I had the idea to go to that church because I wanted some inspiration inside of me, started me to get to do a rosary every hour on the hour. And I so wanted to lead it. I used Father Peyton's prayer book and I did it for myself until 10 minutes at three in the morning when a woman came in and accidentally touched my hands. And she turned around and said, excuse me. And I said, well, that's okay. And she said, would you lead the rosary? And there was my prayer answered. I turned.
1: Tell us about your confession and what it meant to you and what God did in your life.
2: That woman that touched my hand, later on in July, we all became friends, and she, she said to me, Richard, you need to clean up your life. The Blessed Mother's got a job for you. You need to go to confession. You need to empty your path. And from that time, I started thinking of how when I could go to confession, how I was going to do this. And in fact, I, I organized an, a birthday party for the Blessed Mother the 5th of August up in a nun's convent. I brought three roses a day from the 1st to the 5th of August for her birthday. And I got permission to do an all-night adoration there to, to give a birthday present to the Blessed Mother.
1: Tell us more about your confession.
2: And that's what I was coming to now. A couple of weeks after that, I went I went the night before my birthday. I went on my kneeler. or I had been at the Mary and Father prayer group, and I had gone to, wanted to go to confession. So I got on my kneeler at home, and I took my Bible out to study what I could do for my confession, and I took the Ten Commandments. And I looked at the Ten Commandments, and I felt that which commandments didn't I break? I I felt I broke them all. So the next morning, I went to confession. And when I went to confession, I emptied out all my past right into my childhood. And the tears just flowed out of me in that confessional. And when I came out of the church, out of the confessional to go to Mass, it seemed like the church had been, the roof had been taken off of the church. I, like a child change took place within me. I felt that I was gonna to live to 87 years old, I believed what I saw. And I was, thought I would be a, a deacon, but none of those things have happened. But it changed my life. Within weeks after that, I realized what it was to become a piece, from a piece of wood, to be me alive in the church, I, I feels almost like what what Paul said. It's not I who lives; it's He who lives in me. That what makes the difference. And from that on, that time on, when I wanted to do something, the first thing is, what would God do? What would God want me to do? And that's where I built my whole life after that. And it. It changed me, it put me in path of people that helped me along in this path. I ended, I ended up opening up a store in Mary's name, quitting my job in a mill with, with no experience to do anything else if the store failed. And I had no spare money. I was a man that worked in the mill, being just divorced, but there was something inside of me that kept me going. I give it all credit to, to our Holy Mother Mary. I know now what it is, to, when they say, use that saying to Jesus through Mary, I come to know the Lord more and more and more during this period. I got the daily mass after that. It's just a fire was inside of me to want to hear more about God. I, my life was on fire. I did a lot of things. In fact, a couple of my friends called me Radical Rich because there were so many things happening to me at the time. I ended up a year later going to Medjugorje on a having a phone call. I called a man about a program on EWTN, and he said to me, how would you like to go to Medjugorje? And I said, Donna, I can't afford to go five miles down the road. And he said to me, uh, I come to tears with this. I got a woman to pay for your plane, your place to stay, and your food. And I said, how do, how do you do this? And he told me all the things. There was a lot of work involved to go to Medjugorje, Huthatonic, where I live. It's two and three-quarter hours from Kennedy Airport in New York. I didn't have a car. I had given it up because of my store it didn't work. I, so this trip to Medjugorje was a blessing for me. My Tell,
1: tell us what happened in Medjugorje to you.
2: My first, first thing is that first morning, it, I woke up around seven in the morning. I was in a place just down the street from where uh, the church was. And I looked down there and my thought was, I'm here. I said, Mother, you brought me here. I'm a man with nothing. I have no money in my pocket, and yet I'm I'm in Medjugorje. I'm not in Fatima, I'm not in Lourdes. You're here now. And that made me cry all the more, it's just to think that I'm nobody, and I'm on a trip thousands of miles away. And when I went, we went to church that morning, and when you see outside the church in Medjugorje in those days, the chairs lined up. And this is what impressed me most of all in Medjugorje was the people going to confession, just like I had done in Housatonic. And I, when I saw people in tears like I am right now, it meant a lot to me because I knew what they were going through with their confession and what they're gonna be afterwards, a new creation, to know God and to love him from that. and That's what Medjugorje meant for me, the confessional with me saying to people and the people attending mass. Now, that was, you know, when you go into the church and you see the church full, where do you see a church full back here? And then for adoration afterwards, nobody leaves. Everybody is there. Here, when I go to confession or go to adoration, we're lucky we can get two people. Where are we? When are we going to wake up here? We need to wake up. God's here for us. I come to learn the adoration in Medjugorje when they would do it over there. And then when I come back home, I took even more parts with me. That was my first trip to Medjugorje. Everything I learned in Medjugorje through my trips was a confessional. Seeing the people in the confessional. That was one trip in Medjugorje. I ended up the following year getting another trip. I happened to be at somebody's house when they shared a, they were doing a rosary and they got a phone call and wanted me to, the woman come back saying, somebody called, they want me to go to Medjugorje. I told them to call you, Richard. And I went home and I called this guy. He wanted to go to Israel Rome in Medjugorje. Here, when you think of it, here's a guy with nothing. And I never asked for any of these things. I never asked the Blessed Mother, and I never asked the Lord to go. Yeah, he brought me on these trips. I, I went from the 15th to the 30th. One week from the 15th, we landed on Mount Carmel, the Feast of Mount Carmel, the 16th of July. And the whole weekend in Israel was a trip. Nice to see the, the important spots, but the guy that had taken me had planned a Protestant tour. We had no mass for the whole week whilst we were in, in Israel. We got to see the tombs, we got to see all the places, but without the mass, it was like an empty shell there for a week. But I, who was I to say anything? I didn't pay for any of it. I, uh, when we left there, we left to, ro- to go to Rome, and when we, we, we got into Rome, we ended up to see the Holy Father. It was after I had been in Housatonic, I forgot to say, before my trip, I had saw a, a pilgrimage agency man who was Polish, and he knew the Pope, and he told me that when I would be there the 22nd on a Friday, I wouldn't get to see the pope. And I told him, well, the pope could be away and come back. And he he said to me, the pope doesn't do that. And I said, well, Mary plans my trips, I told him. Well, when we went into Rome that day, and we had a tour under the the Vatican, when we come out after the the tour, I said to the tour guy, you mentioned math. I haven't had math in a week. Uh, I want to go to Mass in the morning. He said to me, go around to the bronze door and ask for Brother McGuire. The Pope's having audience tomorrow morning. And I said, well, the Pope doesn't have audience on Saturday. He was away and came back. He said the same things that I said to him in Housatonic. He repeated them there. The next morning, we stood in line to get in. And a girl come through the doorway, and she said, thank you. She happened to be standing next to me the day before. And when she, I said to her, Don't thank me. You thank the Blessed Mother. You thank Mary. Because she got the ticket for you to get in there. Afterwards, her and I met again, the same girl after the big talk, and there's thousands of people there. And her and I end up to meet again. And she and I t- t- exchanged addresses. She, Later became a friend of mine, kept in touch with me, called me at 10 minutes to 3 one Easter morning or a good Friday morning and said to me, I need prayer, Richard. I'm going to have a shunt put in my head. I'm having brain leakage in my brain. She ended up dying months later. After I invited her out this our way to Massachusetts, and she came one time to see Cardinal O'Connor she ended up dying months later. And when they opened her casket, they she was wearing a Carmelite habit. She had wanted to become a nun, and none of the orders would take her. They took her on the last day when she was dying. When they put her into the church, the coffin was open. And her friend that she had given to me to keep in touch with to find out about her, I called her husband just yesterday to call and tell her to listen to this program. And her husband says to me, I'm sorry, but uh, Richard, I can't talk. I said, what's the matter, Bill? You want to talk to Pat? Pat's dead. She just died on the 16th of July, the same day to celebrate 34 years. I was in, you know, had made that trip. It was." kind of hurt yesterday but I know where she is she's probably talking to that girl that I met there now the third trip I ended up helping organize the third trip I had helped a man organized and we sold 13 tickets to to go to a trip from Regigori from the 8th to the 18th of August and the prayer group went we got a lot of people that came from the prayer group. And they, this guy got me a ticket right on August 5th, the same day as Blessed Mother's birthday. i just like to share these experiences. All these things come from that confessional back in, in 86. Without these things happening, none of these things would have happened. And I... I'm going to go on because more things have happened in my life since. And one thing I want to share is about the man that hosts this program. I didn't know him before 1991. I went to a, a conference in Lowell, not in Lowell, in Worcester in February of 1991. It was a Medjugorje conference, and I stood outside of this in a February morning with cold, and there was a whole crowd waiting to get in on one side of the crowd a woman says to me i know you and then somebody on the other side of me looks at me and he said i know you too and then a woman in the back of me said i know you too and i turned around and look at her and she said to me you told me all i had to do was ask blessed mother if i could go to medjugorje and she'll take me i'm going next month she said to me thank you she said when we went into that conference it was a conference with a woman named Rita Klaus, who experienced a miracle through Medjugorje. She had prayed to the Blessed Mother in Medjugorje and ended up throwing her crutches away. She had been crippled for years. And then there was a priest by the name of Father Tom DiLorenzo. He comes on to talk about opening the churches. And it so struck me, I never heard this man before. He said, if the the doors are locked in the church, you go to the rectory and you knock on the door and you tell the priest that you want to see Jesus because it's all about Jesus. How can people go in to see Jesus when the doors are locked? That was Father Tom. He so impressed me that day. I My son told me a couple of years later because I went, I'm a person, most people that know me, when I know something, I'm going to say it. I'm going to share it with everybody. And he... He told me about this priest being on the radio. And I got, so I timed myself every day to listen to him. We got him on WACE up in Chicopee. And when I worked for the Marians back in the 90s, I, I opened up the, my radio every day. I had one of these Sangian radios with tape programs. And I was able to tape Father Tom's program every day. And I would go. So one time in 2001, I got an idea one Saturday night, I want to go to one of Father Tom's prayer services. He always talked about this Sunday night prayer service from 5.30 to the Holy Spirit sends you home. And I thought, gee, I'd like to go down there. It was a New Year's weekend, in which New Year's was on the first on a Tuesday. You got to remember, all this happens through the Lord, because all this is because of that confessional, how my eyes got to be alive to see these opening and just trust. So that night, I called up Hertz. I said, I need a car. I want to rent for tomorrow. How much would it cost me? And he told me, and I said, I'm not sure I'm gonna take it. I gotta see if I can get somebody to go with me. And he said, I'll reserve it for you. It won't cost you nothing. Well, I called up a woman at 10 o'clock at night, and I said, Sally, could you go with me to see Father Tom? It'd be a all-day trip. Let me call my daughter, make sure she doesn't have any plans for me. Well, we ended up getting the car, and we're going out, and we get to Holy Rosary Church. It's quarter after three in the afternoon, and we're parked outside of this church, and I said to Sally, let's go see if Father Tom." does what he says, because he always said the church has to be open. So we went up to the door, and sure enough, the church was wide open. The lights were on. Nobody was there but the Lord. So we went in and spent some time, and we went down to the end of the docks to overlook the ocean and had our supper. Well, five quarter after five, her and I were in the church at five, and we we, we didn't know whether it would start at five or 5.30, and a woman comes into the church, a woman named Barbara, come into the church, and we asked her, when is this prayer service? And she said, it's 530. Well, a few minutes later, Father Tom comes in, and he throws, throws his robe on, and he takes his Bible, and he lays on, on the floor in front of the altar. I, I'll i never forget that. I said, th- Sally, that's Father Tom. And a few minutes later, people started coming in, and they had us all night that they were going to praise the Lord at 5.30. And Father Tom asked, is there anybody here for the first time? And me and Sally raised our hand and stood up. And Father Tom says, where are you from? I said, "The Berkshires. He said, oh, you were the man that called this morning. And I said, yes, I just wanted to make sure you were going to be here. How late are you going to stay? I said, till the Holy Spirit sends us home. And we did. But I felt so warm with the people that were there. Different ones, each in the crowd, offering us to stay over. We could stay at their place. One woman named Alice, that used to live right close to Father Tom, she offered us to walk over and stay at her place. And I said, we have to have a car back. And we went home that night. Four months later, I get a, I'm get down working in the grotto at the Shrine of Divine Mercy. And the receptionist pages me and says, there's a priest here that wants you to be in his radio program. And I said, who is it? He said, she said, he's just come up. She said, he's here. And I thought to myself, Blessed Mother, don't get me too excited. If it's not Father Tom, it's going to be a big letdown. Well, I went up there in my golf cart, and I get to go into church, and I put my arm around Father Tom, he was down near the altar, and I went in the program with him. And I, we prayed during the whole time of the program. Me and there was Judy, Ray, Maisie, and Keith. There were four of us in with Father Tom. And afterwards, I took Father Tom on a golf cart ride. And afterwards, I shared with him all about the shrine and about my life at that point, and the changes that took place in my life. And afterwards, we got up, I brought him up towards the statue of St. Francis. And we parked there, and I turned to Father Tom, and I said to him, Father, how's the chance of coming for our, our Mary and Father prayer group? And you asked me what day of the week it was. And I said, Thursday. And you sat there for a few minutes, and Father Tom says, when do you want me to come? That was the start of a relationship. And something happened to confirm my faith because I had a man that said to me not long before that that he didn't see any faith in me.
1: It's all about being a piece of wood, yes. not knowing God, not knowing Jesus. But a confession is the thing that opened Richard up Anyone in Christ Jesus is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. How we need people to become new people, born again, new creations, people who love God. You don't need to be a piece of wood in the church. God wants to enlighten you with the Holy Spirit. He wants to do things for you so that you change. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he let his face shine upon you. May he look upon you and give you peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. God bless you.